Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Where you are going to be a leader at. You're probably more of a leader than you even realize within your work, within your school, within any of that. And so just take these principles and use them to kind of bring it to the next level of wherever God wants to bring you, okay? I believe every Christian is a leader, all right? If you, if you say yes to Christ, then no matter where you go, you are a leader. You're bringing Christ, you are a representative of Christ in everything that you do. And so what I have said before is our lives should be able to be mimicked because, man, it, you know, we want to follow after Jesus. And so people should want to follow after our lives, not because we're anything special, but he sure is, isn't he? I think he is. So let me, what I want to do today, a little different, and so here's how it's going to wrap up the next couple weeks. Um, today, I want to talk about your job. And then, don't be scared. And then next week, I really want to talk about leadership as a whole. What does it mean as corporate leadership? What does that mean together working as community, working as family, working as church? And that pairs really well with our equip next week. Um, And then really the third one is talk individual leadership and what that actually looks like. What does that mean? And so how do we lead our lives? And so um, one of the things I want to do today, though, talking about jobs, if I took a poll right now, and I'm not going to do this, and I asked every single one of you here, I said, who loves their job? A few of you are like, yeah, you do, you do. I noticed a lot of those hands that just went up were retired folks. <laughs> that was good. I like that. All right. And uh, sometimes I think your job gets busier, though, I've seen with all the grandkids, man. Um, but some of us, some of us hate our job, man. Some of us don't like to go to work. Some of us, we're just like, feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job, and you're going, I feel like I'm better than this. Or you're going, man, this is all... It's ever going to be it's this and we get wrapped into what this looks like and I believe there's some super cool leadership principles that will help you but what I want to do today is really give you some tools to do that let me show you we're going to start off in the workplace anybody here work in a cubicle by any chance a, a few of you okay you know it's pretty common to work in a cubicle um, let me show you just a few things that I found on the internet that I thought were really good uh, that you can use if you want to get fired, okay? These are really good. So, so let's go to this, this next slide here. Bring that to work. Could you imagine just biting into that? You're like the cruelest employee in the world if you brought those. So, who's going to do this now? I'm just curious. All right, go to the next one. This is just a great prank. If you can't see it up on top, it's a little smaller, but it looks like somebody's taking care of business, and no one is. And, you know, three hours later, what's, what's Bob doing back there? What's going on? I love this. Go to the next one. Come on, buddy. Now, I have a bone to pick with some of our kids, because last year, they did that to my car. It wasn't quite that elaborate. So, kids, guys, I dare you to beat it. All right. Isn't that good? Go ahead. If you don't know what that is, it's an air horn behind the door doorstop. I think that was great. The only problem with these is I showed Derek and Meg these, and now I'm a little nervous, like coming in here during the weekdays. <laughs> who wants to go first? <laughs> All right, honestly, who would do that? Who would, who would still eat that? If you, if you, if you would. All right. <laughs> All right, go ahead. This one's my favorite. Now, you, you don't know what's going on here. 
But he's putting something into the keyboard, all right? He took the keyboard cover off, and he's putting something in here. I didn't know what it was until you get to the next slide. Cha-cha-cha-chia! <laughs> that is like the most creative thing. I just like want to try that, but I have a laptop, so it's not going to work very well. All right, and then, and then this one. This, this one's my favorite. Who loves, who misses Krispy Kremes, man? All right. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it. But here's, here's like the dirtiest thing to do right there, man. Could you, isn't that dirty? That is just dirty pool, man. All right, is that all of them? I think that's, is that, is that all? All right, sweet, sweet. We'll just leave that up there. Make us all hungry for good nutrition. That's right. That's right. Hey, um, let me ask you this. How many of you, don't, don't raise your hand. This is rhetorical, okay? I don't want to get anybody in trouble. This is Facebook Live, all right? So how many of you have ever wanted to get fired? You're like, I want to figure out a good way to do it. I was actually telling our team this morning as we were praying for service, I wasn't going to show you this video because it kind of creeped me out, but I saw a video of a guy at Domino's who wanted to quit, and it was his last day, and it went viral. You can YouTube it sometime. Just, just YouTube Domino's guy at work. What he does is he takes the onions and the green peppers and he starts shoving them into his nose and putting them on the pizza. And you see the screen of where it's headed. Who wants Domino's for lunch? All right. So let me ask you this. Some of you, you love your job. Some of you, you're retired. Some of you are self-employed. I want to pick on the self-employed guys and gals, first of all. Here's why. What if you are self-employed? I mean, how does that work? Are you going to fire yourself? <laughs> you're like, I want to sometimes, you know? Or you go, I don't have enough employees. You're going, how does this work, you know? And, and I really think talking about leadership principles, I want to talk about those of you that have your own business first. And here's, here's not how to fire, but here's how to make sure your business fails, okay? Number one, don't have any vision. Don't have vision for what you're doing. Just, just go day to day. Be like, I'm just doing what I'm doing to get by. I'm just, you know, I'm just plugging away. Don't have vision for what God can do with your business. I believe God could take your business to a whole new level that you've never even thought about, okay? Second, have no plan. You know, vision and plan, all that is is a dream. It's pie in the sky. Have a plan. Have a vision. Write it down. What's the business plan? Have you had somebody look over the business plan? Are you going, man, we can expand. We can do this. We can, you know, if you're self-employed, you've got to think about those things. The third thing is this. Don't be a follower and your business will fail. Let me explain. Because you might say, well, I'm self-employed. I don't have to follow anybody. Let me say this. And some people go, well, you're the, you're the head pastor of the church, man. You get to do whatever you want. Uh, not quite. My elders will call me on it, all right? They will call me on it. And at the same time, I'm not only accountable to them, I'm accountable to you. And I'm also accountable to the assemblies of God. If I start preaching something that is against their doctrine, guess what's going to happen? They're going to show up here. And they're going to go, ah, Chris, no more. Because I have to make sure I'm being a good follower. Unless you are a good follower, you can't be a good leader. You have to learn how to follow first. If you're self-employed, let me just pick on self-employed people for just one more minute. If you're self-employed because you cannot work with anyone else, that's obviously an issue, okay? If you're going, can't do anything else, just want my own job, well, figure out how to work with people. Bring somebody on. Train somebody up. Find an apprentice. You know, otherwise you're going to get bored and you're going to go on to the next thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says this, and we'll put this on the screen. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. Every Christian businessman and businesswoman should want to do this, should want to say, man, follow what I do, follow my integrity, follow my leadership principles, follow what I'm doing because I'm following Christ. 
Okay, if you might not have a boss, that's okay. Jesus is your boss, okay? All right, Jesus, he's, he's the big boss, all right? The other thing that happens a lot of times, and I've seen this, and I would love to be a help with you if I can. Um, over seven years as a church, one of the things you get to know is you get to know people really well, but you also get to know patterns in people. And some of the patterns that I have seen and witnessed with people that are self-employed or like to start things is a lot of times we like to start things, but we don't finish things. Or we like to change things a lot, you know? We go from the next thing, and then a year later, we try the next thing, and then a year later, we try the next thing. And, and here's the deal. Be consistent. Follow Christ, and he will lead you. Now, there is time for change. There might be time, you know? I mean, construction world, and we have a lot of construction guys and gals up here. Construction world, man, it is what? It is like feast or famine business, isn't it? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. And so you've got to have a plan. You've got to be strategic. You've got to have vision. And you've got to realize that I'm going to follow Jesus so he takes care of me when it is those famine times, all right? So let me, let me say this, and then we're going to hit everybody else this morning. I just wanted to pick on you self-employed people for a moment. For those of you that don't know, I have a crazy background of like work and jobs. Some of them I really loved, others not so much. Um, probably my least favorite job that I ever did was door-to-door sales. I did door-to-door sales for a marketing company for two years. I was hands-on, and then I became a manager of a team. Dude, it was like, I would rather eat that cake and find the toenail, okay? It was that bad. Anybody here ever done door-to-door sales? You done? Oh, man. Some of you are like, I still do it now. Shut up. <laughs> door-to-door sales, it's tough. You got to be used to rejection, all of that. So I did that for a couple years, made great money doing it. And then I was a meter reader. Anybody remember the meter readers? You still get them on occasion? I was that. I have to go up to that little black thing on your, um, you know, by your garage door on the back, and I'd just beep it, and you know, I'd make 10 cents for every one I did. Um, I was a youth pastor for three years. I was an assistant pastor for six years. I was a camp counselor. One of my favorite jobs it was camp counselor for two years. And that was seriously one of my favorite jobs, except what it paid. It paid me about 10 cents an hour when you figured out the wage. Not, not even kidding. 10 cents an hour. I don't know how they got away with that. Then I did paper delivery. For three companies, I used to work for the Star Tribune, then I worked for the Shopper, and then I delivered for the Courier, actually, for a while. Um, I owned my own business doing mortgage closings while I was between being an associate pastor and a youth pastor, so I knew what it was like to do that. Served in three different restaurants. Um, One is still kicking. (laughs) One was Chi-Chi's, man, tear. It's not around anymore. Who misses Chi-Chi's? That was good stuff. Um, That corn cake. Oh, man. All right. Delivered pizzas for Domino's and Mama DeLuca's. In fact, two other things that I don't like sharing, but I'm going to because I'm going to be real with you. I got fired before a job before I ever started it. Yeah. I was, I was uh, my internship up at Nisswa, Minnesota, at a little church called Christ Community Church. And while I was there, what happened is I, get, I, I looked at my paycheck and I'm like, I got to figure out how to make some extra income. And so I found out this job, that, you know, this great company up there, and they said, come on Tuesday. And I'm like, I'll be there. I'll be there. You know, what time? Eight o'clock. I'll be there at eight o'clock. And I said, what am I doing? They're like, we'll tell you when you get here. Okay. I don't even know what I'm doing, but I'm going to get paid for it. All right. So I get ready to go. And I learn that the youth group, I wasn't in charge of the youth group, but I helped it, had a Valley Fair day that day that I was supposed to drive from Nisswa down, you know, here, which is about two and a half hour drive. And I'm going, oh man. So I called them. I didn't get voicemail, anything. You got to remember there's no cell phone yet. So I don't get away. There's no email either. So I have no way of communicating other than getting there. I never go there. So I show up that morning at the place. I walk in and, then, and the guy looks at me in the face. And he goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, you said come Tuesday, but I couldn't. And so I'm here the day after. And he's like, you didn't show up when you're supposed to get out. You're fired. Get out. Sorry, this cuts out a little bit. 
And so I'm like, all right. It was the worst feeling, but he was right. I was in the wrong, man. I deserved to be fired. I didn't show up on time. I wasn't there. The second one, this is my favorite. I'm not going to get into I'll share these details later because this is Facebook Live. So I don't know if we can hit the pause button for a moment. Um, But I was actually kicked out of a church once. All right, moving on. So um, here's, here's some principles. We'll just leave that tease right there for you. Actually, it's a cool story. The church I got kicked out of, Pastor and I talked about it about five years ago. We resolved it. We had a great time. It was, it was awesome. If you want to hear the story, I'll, I'll share it later. So here are principles of how to get fired, okay? Number one, overpromise and under-deliver. Overpromise. Man, I'll be there on Tuesday. I wasn't there on Tuesday. I overpromised. I overcommitted myself, Okay? I have had the opportunity of working with some phenomenal pastors. And one of the pastors I work with, man, he is incredibly gifted in this. He's just phenomenal. I was the associate pastor at a church just up the road here. And I watched him do a building project. And it was some of the most incredible under-promise and over-delivery that I ever saw. He did this building project, a brand new building, you know, tons of acreage of land. And he said, man, we're going to come in at this amount. This is the amount that we're going we're gonna to do. And everybody in the church is going, yeah, we're going to go over budget. Our budget's going to be huge. There's no way that you're ever going to do that. He actually came in under budget by like 25 grand or more. That's amazing. That is under promise and over deliver. Okay? That's what I think God wants us to do in our jobs. If we are to follow Christ and we want others to follow us as a leader in our job, then man, under promise and over deliver. Don't over, del- over promise and under deliver. But make sure that you commit to what you say you're going to do. And then go above and beyond. Number two, number two, be consistently late. Some of you are like, oh, no. Be consistently late. You want to be fired? Be consistently late. Some say the 11th commandment in the Bible is be punctual. It's not there, okay? Just, you, can, you can breathe. Some of you just got really tense with me saying that, okay? Just breathe. It's okay. Sometimes it happens. You know, I've been late before. Sometimes it happens. We have, uh, I want to pick on somebody from my family. Do, you, do you, any of you have that family member that's like always late? If you don't, if you can't think of who that is, I'm just saying, it's probably you. No. Um, some of you have that family member that's always like 15 to 30 minutes early, right? Well, we all have, we all have like one of those. And we have... We have a few of those. I'm like that. We have somebody in our family, too, that's like that. And I remember we were actually celebrating their birthday. And this was, this was like 15 years ago. We're celebrating their birthday. They're hours early. And we're all there at this restaurant to celebrate their birthday, except the birthday person is not there. And I'm going, what is going on? And seriously, it's supposed to be there at like 1 o'clock, and it's, or I don't remember what time, but it's 10 minutes tell the time that everyone's supposed to be there. And people are freaking out. No cell phone yet. Can't get a hold of the person. We're going... We're all like praying in the spirit, like, God, I hope they're okay. I hope everything's all right. What's going on? They're not here. On time comes around, still not there. Two minutes after, it was two minutes late, and everybody's freaking out. Walks in, and we're like, I hope, we're all just like, oh, I'm so glad you're okay. What, what happened? And, and the person just said, well, I was, I was leading someone to Christ at work today. I'm like, that'll work. All right. That's why they were late. But I'm thinking, man, if that, that, that needs to be my excuse someday. I love it. It was good. Let me ask you this, though. When it comes to time, time, we're to steward time and finances and all that. Do we steward our time well? Do we steward our time well? If we say we're going to be there on time, be there on time. Be imitators of Christ. 
so that people can imitate us. Number three. Everybody say number three. Be a critic. Who loves critics? (laughs) Who hates critics? (laughs) Ah! Who's uncomfortable right now talking about critics? No one likes critics, okay? No one likes that critic towards the boss or, or even towards those that you work with. You ever had a conversation with somebody you work with and they come up to you and, and they're like talking to you and they're, they have criticism about somebody else they're working with or somebody else you go to school with and they're just, and they're just talking, they're talking, they're talking, they're going, they're going on and, and you're listening and, you're, and eventually misery loves company and we start getting critical and we're still like, yeah, I can't, believe, I can't believe the boss did this or I can't believe this person that I work with did this and I can't believe it and all of a sudden we get this downward spiral and we're like, oh my goodness. Here's what I realized in those conversations. If that person is being critical of someone else and talking to you, they're being critical about you and talking to someone else every time. And so be imitators of Christ. A a great example, and and I have to tell you, man, I've lived these things, okay? I was critical um, when I was, again, when I was associate pastor. I was like, man, I think I could do this better. And we had a youth meeting. We were having this just phenomenal youth group meeting. It was my wife and I and another couple. And we were talking about the things that were frustrating us about the church. And we just, we just went off. And I was like, yeah, I can't believe this. I can't believe that. And then the other thing, and then the other couple with us, they're like, uh-huh, yeah, I, I can see that. I, it's just not working right. And, and we started talking negatively about the pastor. We started talking negatively about the leadership. We started talking negative. All of a sudden, I felt negative. I felt awful. And I'm, I got all critical. And, and all this took place. And I know this is only me. It's never happened to anyone else. But for me, what took place is the next day, the next day that we were both in the office, I got convicted by the Holy Spirit. I don't like feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit, but yet I do. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to be, you don't want to have to be convicted by the Spirit of God. But then when he convicts, we have a choice to make. Do we walk into it or do we ignore his voice? I walked into it and I could have lost my job. But the Spirit of God just really, I believe, put on my heart to go up to the man and say, you know what? I was bad-mouthing you and I'm so sorry. It's not going to happen again. You have my back. And I, my heart was just pounding. I'm like, this is, this is going to be it. And I just walked up to him and I said, man, you got to know this. And his desk was right here. He was on one side of it. I was on the other. He gets up and he walks to the other side of the desk after I say, you know, would you forgive me? And he wraps his arms around me. He just gave me a hug. And he said, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming to me. And then he said, what issues do you have? We can just talk them through. I'm like, well, there's a concept why not just go to the horse's mouth? Like, you know, and it just changed my whole mentality of the workplace. You know, for me, I've, I've worked in churches for 17 years. Working in church is a little different than working in the real world, I have to tell you. But don't be a critic. It's okay to have constructive feedback, and we'll get there. All right, next one is this. Blame the other person. Okay, whether you're a Trump supporter or not, do you remember The Apprentice? before Arnold Schwarzenegger ruined it. Do you remember The Apprentice? Okay, it was, like, it was like a phenomenal show. My wife and I watched, and then after like eight seasons, we couldn't really watch it anymore. But I'll never forget, if you have never seen The Apprentice, it's this TV show where they get two groups of, now it's, it was celebrities, but back then it was just you know, normal, everyday people. And they would have two groups of people, and they had to do you know, like some kind of workshop thing, or they had to sell for a company, and whoever sold more you know, won this prize to go and fly in a helicopter over New York, or something weird, okay? Well, anyway, what would happen all the time is I would watch people, you know, all the time, 
blame the other person. You know, if it didn't go well and they're sitting in the boardroom with Trump and the cool music, da 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 and the back would come on, he'd have the big table, and they're all sitting there, you know, and he'd fluff his hair back on the one side and sit down, and, and they're all sitting on the other side, and, you know, then he'd, what, what would he do with the one person he wanted to get rid of? Fired. You know, just the little hand motion, you're fired. But all the time in that boardroom, people would start blaming the other person, and very rarely would they own their stuff. I said a couple weeks ago, we had big bold letters, own your junk, man. We don't have to blame others, own it. If you're wrong, say, hey, I'm wrong. We're all wrong at one point. The other thing is this. We talk about blaming others in the workplace. Don't blame God for where you're at. We're not victims. We're not victims. We live in the most incredible country in the world, in my opinion. We have freedom. You want to do something different? Do something different. Well, God made me do this. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. We're not puppets. That's not the way God works. God gives us this freedom to do what he wants us to do. Okay? Whatever your job is. Okay? You maybe go, well, I don't know how to get out of this. I feel like it's... Then ask him. Don't, don't blame him. Ask him. Say, God, help me. I'm, I feel like I'm stuck in this dead-end job. I need your help so I can get on to the next part of my life where I want to go to. Ask him. He'll show you. He's a God who loves us. You see, here's the deal. People who often find fault seldom find anything else. People who find fault find, you know, hardly ever find anything else. Own your junk again. And then don't throw unders under the bus. Okay? You ever heard that phrase? Don't throw somebody under the bus. You know, I was reading that phrase. No one knows where it came from. There's like multiple theories on where it came from. But have you ever thought about that phrase for a moment? That would be like the person you want to blame. You're actually taking them and you're putting them underneath a giant bus to kill them. That's the word picture. That's what blame is. Blame is saying, I'm, I forget and I have no value for the other person. Rather than saying, I have value and I'm going to own it. That's a difference. That's a difference. All right? Next one. Here it is. Have a negative attitude. Ah. Hey, man, you can be bitter or you can be better at the job. It's your choice. Well, you don't know my circumstances, Pastor Chris. I don't have the greatest job in the world. We, that's victim. No, you know what? Live with, when, with where you're at right now. Allow God to work in and through that. Don't have a negative attitude. You might be... You, you might be the best on the team. You might have the highest sales. You might be the hardest worker. You might be the most motivated person on that team. But your attitude stinks. What does God say? He says, our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus. I'll put it up on the screen for you. Philippians chapter 2, 5. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. I lived downtown Minneapolis for three years while I was finishing my undergrad years ago. And I'll tell you when it's so easy to have a negative attitude is when you have a winter emergency and you have park permit parking on the street in Minneapolis. You know how many times I had to go down to the impound lot to get my car? If you ever feel bad about your life, just go there for a while, okay? And just hang out and see how mad people get because their car got towed. I was one of them. In fact, we have a family member, uh, used to be a family member, my wife and I, and this person was like so mad. She came here for a while. She wasn't from Minnesota. She wasn't native. And her car gets impounded, okay? And what she does, as the story goes, is she went down to pay for her car. I don't know what the fee is. Back then it was like 130 bucks to get your car out of the, of the impound lot. And uh, she goes down to the impound lot and she pays 130 bucks to get her car out. But here was her negative attitude. What she did on the way down to go get the car, she stopped and got the $130, but got it all in pennies and put it up on the counter for him. 
That's like negativity, man. Negativity. And negativity births negativity. Doesn't it? Positivity births positivity. What's easier? Is it easier to be pulled down or is it easier to pull somebody up? It's way easier to be pulled down into something. We have to imitate Christ and pull people up with us. Man, it's better with God. What does that mean? It's perfect. Your circumstances change. God just gives you all the money in the world and the best job. No, I'm sorry. It's not the way it works. Okay? But God wants to love you right where you're at. I'm okay with that. I'm good with that. I'm good with God showing up in my life. He's not into changing your circumstance. He's into honing your character. Be okay with that. Be okay with that. Philippians 2.5, you must have the same attitude Christ Jesus had. Next one is this. Don't listen. You want to get fired? Don't listen. I'll tell you what, and I've shared this story before, but my wife and I, we, uh, when we first got married, how many know men and women are a little, they're a little different? Just, just a little bit. We, we lived in a phenomenal, you know, house. We loved it. It was, it was our first home. We were excited. It was a, you know, a double-wide trailer down in, what was the name of the place? I can't even remember. Four Seasons down in Blaine. We enjoyed it. Life was simple. We didn't have any kids yet. It was, it was wonderful. However, my wife would come home every day. And she, I just want to tell you about my day. Don't tell me about my Just tell you about your day. Tell me about your day. And I'm going, what? Like, and I had to like zone in like, you know, like a deer. You know, I'm like, huh? You know, what? Okay, hold on. And I'd be like doing the dishes. And finally, I'm like, okay, stop the dishes. And I'd be like, yes, dear. And I would just listen. And she'd be like, no, 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 you can do the dishes while I talk. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> I don't work that way, all right? And she's like, well, I did that with my mom my whole life. I'm not your mom. It's not going to happen. What, you want dishes or listener? Just pretend you're listening. All right. So I started doing the dishes. So we have a great marriage, man. I have no idea what's happened in my wife's life, but we, we love each other. I listen to her on occasion. Here's one of my favorite stories about listening, okay? This, this is just, this is so hilarious to me. Franklin Roosevelt. This is a true story. Franklin Roosevelt, you know, he'd have all these parties and all these people and, and they'd get around and they'd have receiving lines and, you know, here he is, president, he's supposed to, you know, shake hands with people and, and finally he'd be like, you know, he would say nice things and hey, you know, bless you, have a nice day, whatever. And he finally decided to change it and try something. And so he was at the receiving line, all these delegates, all these other people that were all prim and proper, they came and they were in line, all ready to go. And, and, and here's Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Roosevelt, he, he says this, he goes, um, he, he decides to say, I murdered my grandmother. So they're coming through and he's shaking hands and he goes, I murdered my grandmother. He's like, oh, God bless you. I murdered my grandmother. That's so kind. Oh, I murdered my grandmother. Oh, be, you know, just, you know, that's awesome. And, you know, I murdered my grandmother. Oh, Lord bless you. And, and all of this until the last person in line, it was actually one of the delegates from Bo, uh, Bulgaria, comes up and shakes his hand and goes, I murdered my grandmother. She actually listened, leans into his ear and says to Theodore Roosevelt these words, I bet she had it coming. And he walks away. <laughs> like, Really? I'm just like, oh my goodness. A, you just read it sometimes. It's a crazy story, man. You want to get fired? Don't listen. Just listen. It's okay. Next one here. Here we go. Give constructive feedback, but then don't receive any. Blah. Criticism and constructive feedback, two different things. Okay, one builds while one tears down. We're called to build up. We want constructive feedback. We should want that. Okay? 
Why, why do we take feedback so personally? Some of us are delicate flowers, aren't we? Where, where somebody can say to you a hundred things and 99 of them are like good things. Like, man, you're so awesome. You're, you're beautiful. Hey, there's one thing I want you to work on. hundred things, one out of the hundred. And what do we end up focusing on? They're one. Why? It's scientifically shown, actually, that our minds revert to negativity. Scientifically shows that. Okay, it's just natural. Why? Because sin is our natural tendency. God wants so much better than that. He wants us to see it in a positive light. And so when somebody gives you feedback, try to change and go, hey, they're not getting down on me. They actually want me to live my potential. They want me to live my best version of me. That's all. That's all. But man, it's really hard to receive it. But sometimes isn't it easy to give it? Can be. It can be. Some of us it's hard because we're Minnesota. I think Minnesota nice, just by the way, equals passive aggressive. Okay? Just say what you think, all right? It's easier than me having to guess, you know, like for any of us. I think business owners get that, you know? They have to receive constructive feedback. How many times do you go out to dinner? What, ha- what is our world now today? Every opinion matters. You know, you go to Taco Bell. You go through the drive-thru. You go through, you know, pick up Subway. What, you know, you go to Target. You go to Kohl's. You go to anywhere. And what do they do? You know, what happens at the end of that you know, purchase. They give you the receipt. Then what do they ask you? Like probably 50% of the time nowadays, they circle a number and they say, if you take this survey, survey, you, you could win like, you know, the world or something, right? That's what they do. Why do they do that? They want feedback. They want to better it. Why don't we want that? Why don't we want feedback? Because we take it personally. We take it hard. We think it's an attack. It's not an attack. People are just trying to walk alongside and see the best in us. That's what it is. I think of it the other part of it too is it's easy to give feedback when you're not a business owner okay it's easy to give feedback when it's not your company when it's your company it's like your baby and you see the big picture now maybe you're going i'm not okay not knowing the big picture that's going to be tough in life we as christians do we know the the complete big picture no we know jesus wins that's all that matters do we know exactly what's going to unfold in our life we, we don't we have to trust in him that he's going to take care of us we have to be okay within our jobs not knowing the big picture. If that changes, then we need to change jobs. Okay? We might not know all the big picture. You know, we, next week we have our equip meeting. I'm going to share big picture. It's, that's my role as the leader, as the pastor, to say, here's big picture. Here's vision. This is what we're doing. And then it's each role's, per, you know, each individual leader and volunteer to go, I get to play a part of that puzzle. I might not know what's happening in the nursery today. I might not know what curriculum they're doing, but I know Pastor Chris, I know that he's talking to his leaders and making sure that there's curriculum happening, making sure things are happening. That's a trust part of it. That's what it comes to. That's leadership. That's one of those principles. We won't always know the bigger picture. I don't always know the bigger picture of what's next. You know, is this building it for us? Or are we going to get land someday? You know, we're praying for what's next. Don't know. I'm asking God to, you know, unravel that and show us. Last two are this. Last three are this. Make excuses. Make excuses. Want to get fired? Make excuses. Own it. It all comes back to owning our stuff. When I was a newspaper delivery boy for Star Tribune, that was my first paper route, and it was great. I had to wake up at about 1 in the morning, got to bed about 6 in the morning, and I delivered on Saturday morning and Sunday morning prior to church. I would take the Sunday paper. You remember the Sunday paper, how heavy that thing was? You know, it had all the ads, it had all the comics in it, it had... 
you know, everything. Put that together, and I'm doing my route, and my route was down in Roseville. I drove from East Bethel to Roseville. Every Saturday and Sunday, I get down to my route, and, and I knew my route so well, I didn't even need to look at the addresses, and it was door to, doorstep to doorstep service. I just chucked that newspaper right up onto the stairs, and I got it every single time. No problem! Until this day. And it was a very nice home, and I take the paper, and I knew exactly where I had to get it, and I'm like, I bet I can get it from the sidewalk. And so I take it, and I just... I just launch it as nice as possible. And it goes straight through this beautiful glass door, smashes it to smithereens everywhere. And everything in me was like, no one will know it was me. I'm just going to go. Like, no, no, no one will figure it out. I wanted to make an excuse. I wanted to be like, well, well, they shouldn't have had their door this way. Or, you know, I, I couldn't go up because there was snow. Or, you know, their, their dog had landmines. I didn't want to step. I, you know, I wanted to make up all these excuses. But rather, I didn't. I owned my stuff. And so I went up, again, no cell phone on because I'm old. And so I go up and, and I write on the door, um, just on a sheet of paper, and I slip it in their door. I said, hey, here's the business number. I'm very sorry. We'll get this figured out. I went straight to the Star Tribune, who I worked for, and I said, man, I'm sorry that took place. And they said, hey, it's okay. Our insurance will cover it this one time. We're going to show you grace. Thank you, which was awesome. And it all worked out, but I owned it. We don't have to make an excuse. Own it own it. Well, I'm late. Well, this is why. No, just, hey, I was late today. I'm sorry. Okay, that goes a long way, man. Last two, do the minimum. Want to get fired? Do the minimum. Do the minimum. Wait for somebody to tell you what to do and not take initiative. Man, I love when I see people taking initiative. I love when I see, and a lot of you do this around here, man. A lot of, this is like, this is just review for a lot of you. A lot of you come in here and, and you'll see you know, garbage on a seat and you'll grab it, you'll throw it away or you walk in and you see something that needs attention and you'll grab it or you'll tell another lead. It's just, it's awesome. Just imagine if our workplaces were like that, you know? Where we get to come in and we get, man, we got everybody's back. We're taking initiative. We're not doing the minimum. We're doing the best that we can with everything that we have. Wouldn't that just change the whole culture? Last one is this. Everybody say last one. Believe it's only unethical if you get caught. Here's how I define integrity, okay? Integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody else is looking. Do the right thing even when nobody else is looking. I could share with you story upon story upon story that I did before I was a Christian of things that were, they weren't questionably unethical. They were unethical, okay? And uh, from taking food at Chi-Chi's and bringing it home, you know? From other things of that nature, taking advantage of, you know, my workplace. And I had to realize that's not what God wants. He wants us to be people of integrity, doing the right thing even when nobody's looking. You know, not cutting corners, not cutting corners. Here's what I want to end here this morning. Colossians 3.17, Paul says these words, and they're so encouraging. He says, and whatever, everybody together say whatever. Whatever. One more time, everybody. Whatever. Whatever you do. Whatever. What? Whatever, what? Whatever, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through Him. So I was studying this verse really in depth, and here's, here's really what whatever means. Whatever means whatever. Now I'm not talking like the teenage whatever, not that kind of whatever, not whatever. No, it means whatever. Not whatever. Whatever. Everything. From the praise that we give God.
to, to our giving, okay, to our receiving, last week, okay, to your life, to your job, to parenting, to marriage, to all of this, everything and anything. Here's, what's, here's what I find interesting. I never want to end a message without giving somebody the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Stay with me. Don't lose this moment, all right? But would you just stand to your feet here as we bring service to a close? And I'm going to invite my wife up in just a moment. You know, I thought about Jesus. And do you know there's not one place in the Bible we, we assume that Jesus was a carpenter. The Bible never says he was a carpenter. Not once does it say that in there. However, we assume he was because of Jewish tradition. It talks in the book of Matthew and the book of Mark that Joseph was a carpenter. And at the age 12, when a boy becomes a man in the Jewish household, he has to learn the trade of his dad. It has to go down with him. It's not a choice in the Jewish house. You do what your dad did, period. And so Jesus, it's assumed, became that carpenter. Now, I believe with everything in me that Jesus would have emulated all of these things. I would have wanted to follow him with my life, with what he did. You know, and think of Joseph. Here it is, the son of God that you're raising as an adopted father, essentially. And just imagine the craftsmanship that Jesus did in his life compared to Joseph. And he looks at it. We don't hear Joseph ever complaining about, you know, well, my table wasn't as good as the one Jesus made or, or any of that. Yeah, his work ethic must have been just incredible. I want to have the work ethic that Jesus has. That's what I want. And then Jesus had this work ethic, not only in the world, but for every single one of us, knowing that he was obedient to death even on a cross. Here's what I want to... This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.